Because you don't want to show that you're incompetent, but you do want to show growth, which is, I think, is the, the balance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. Welcome to episode 24, where we sit down with Tim Pascalis. For this episode, I was back at Houghton College, my alma mater, for conversations with Gen Z creatives who are working in the creative field already while still in school. It's part of my effort to just understand the shifts that have happened in the last 10 years since I, I graduated, as it's coming up on my, my 10-year graduation anniversary, and just wanted to be able to take some time and kind of reflect back on how much things have changed since since 10 years ago. And in my conversation with Tim, uh, one of the things we talked about is just the importance of being able to show your scrapes and bruises kind of along the way. Not, not literal scrapes and bruises, but just through work. How do you show people the process? How do you show people the work that you're going through, the struggles, the, the hard times? Because when you are able to show people that you have the ability to grow, adapt, and improve, that's going to foster the connection. Because for people to trust and hire you, they have to. you have to be an authority in the subject. You have to be good. But you also have to be able to create empathy where they can relate to you, they can trust you. And one of the best ways to do that is showing them our struggle. Like, sure, we don't want to put bad work out there, but when we show the behind the scenes, uh, the the struggle, the what, what it's like to go through, people are more likely to relate and connect to us. We go over that in this episode. And, you know, no one wants to, to put a weak foot forward. But when you can be honest and truthful and show people how you're growing, they're more likely to connect with you. And through Tim's background is in graphic design. It's he's doing you know, logo design, doing websites. And in this episode, we dive into Tim's strategy and kind of hear a little bit about how he is differentiated you know, his, his Facebook, his personal platforms with Instagram for, for professional work. I also found it a little interesting to see how Tim, his views on, on adver- advertisements, uh, you know, he is from S- South Africa and on social media and what that's like and how he almost expects them to be personalized. And, and he doesn't find it a bother when they actually on Instagram an advertisement shows up for something that's actually helpful for him and that he needs. And he actually is appreciative of it. But that's enough of me. Let's jump in and hear it directly from Tim. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. I think you're our first South African. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, and so you are from, uh, so for our listeners, where in South Africa are you from? So I'm from Pretoria, and we've lived there for about seven years on and off. My dad is part of the diplomatic service for South Africa, so we've moved around quite a few different places over the globe. But South Africa's always been home base. Great. All right, so I know you kind of are in the, the design space. What was your, what's been your creative journey like? Well, um, so I didn't initially have much of a creative journey. Um, throughout high school and as a kid, I drew a lot of things. It was mostly for myself. Um, when I got to university, however, I I went for the more engineering route. I was going to be a chemical engineer working in renewable fuel. And the further I got into that degree, the more I felt like I was sort of backing up into a corner. Uh, it was not something that I enjoyed. It was not something I especially felt very good at. And... I had a difficult time trying to figure out where I wanted to go. Um, eventually, I feel like God led me to towards design, and in a bit of a leap of faith, I went for it in my sophomore year. And ever since then, it has been smooth sailing. So it's been quite an amazing ride. So that has been my creative journey so far. Okay, so that is definitely quite of a, a leap from chemical engineering. Oh yeah, to design uh, is definitely mm-hmm. a bit of a bit of a jump. And but what were you doing? You know, when it came to, to drawing and design, were you doing stuff in like high school too? Um, I wasn't doing anything like necessarily design related. It was more illustrative. Um, okay, I think 
I was doing a lot of animal portraits and a lot of um, just experimenting with different types of sort of like high contrast sketching and pen and ink illustration. So I did more of that stuff along with a little bit of calligraphy and typography. Okay, early, early on, kind of yeah. high school. You know. Yeah, more around the high school era, yeah. Okay, middle school, what, what was that like in terms of... To middle drawing? school? Uh, I don't know, drawing a lot of uh, soldiers and battle scenes with tanks and stuff like that. I was more... Because I was very interested in sort of military history when I was in middle school, so I, I loved drawing little little battlescapes and stuff like that, and it was quite fun. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, f- I forget what the name of the, uh, the artist was, but at one point someone was like, oh, when did you start drawing? And he said, well... When did you stop drawing? Because <laughs> I think you know we <laughs> we uh we all start off drawing, uh, but some of us just stop much sooner than than yeah. others. Um, you know. Yeah, and I feel like I definitely stopped around the end of high school too. I just didn't think it was something that was conducive to a good um, good career. Um, in South Africa, we mainly go for engineering degrees. We generally push those forward quite a bit more, and I've I found like like bringing that back. And working and putting it into more of an art engineering context with graphic design, it takes something that's that was always f- fun for me to do and makes it applicable to a career and to what I'm doing now. So that was quite fun. Yeah, I think there's always a lot of value in coming up with something that has always been a lot of fun and mm-hmm. then finding ways to, how do we turn this into a career? How do we make oh, yeah. this into something that we can, can really like run with and make money off of? Yeah. Nice. And so, so for you too... When it came to the age of like with social media, what was that journey like for you? You know, growing up in like South Africa, mm. uh, I'm assuming did you come to the states for for when you came to study university college? Yeah, so we right like about a year before we came to Amer- like America for university, um, my father got posted in Switzerland. So once we got there, we had a much more reliable internet, much more. Um, we were able to work on like digital media and to work on social media, especially. Uh, because we had, because of the internet access in South Africa, we didn't have too much. I mean, the plan that I was usually working off of was off WhatsApp, and that was usually about sixty megabytes a month that I would usually survive on, and maybe the campus Wi-Fi where I where I coach gymnastics. So that was that was the the extent of my social media was sort of almost like internet texting. Um, getting to Switzerland, um, I started working a bit more off Instagram. I started doing a bit more on Facebook, but that was all personal stuff. Um, as far as my design career, I started with using that as a sort of a way to get a bit more exposure and to sort of put my name out there and my work out there. I only started with that about maybe a year ago. And ever since then, like I've been using stuff like sites like Behance. I've been using a bit of my Facebook as well and Instagram. But those are stuff that I could sort of dissociate from myself personally. So I can have my personal social media, which is more my Facebook and more my Messenger and stuff like that. And then I could have Instagram, Behance, and other sites, especially visual-based. I've got a Dribbble account as well that I'm starting to get off the ground. Stuff that I can have sort of separate from my like main b- account. Personal yeah. life, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, and how has that been in terms of like your personal strategy, defining, like how, how critical was it for you to kind of define that strategy of this is my personal, this is my visual life, and what, mm. what those look like? It wasn't really difficult for me. I'm not, a, not necessarily on social media very much personally. I use it just sort of to get in contact with people to make sure that we're like I'm keeping up to date with meetings or with like when I'm hanging out with my friends just know where and when to meet up and just sort of also to keep up with a bit of long distance communication as well that that is usually what my personal social media is taken up with and also I've got family overseas so I keep in touch with them that way too my 
my work-based social media, I that's where I put all my work and that's where I put my illustrations, my drawing, and I sort of try to keep those two halves as separate as possible. And sometimes that's just using different apps for different things like WhatsApp and Messenger. That's for my personal use. Behance and Instagram is for my business. Okay, so you clearly just worked out well to kind of separate those two out yeah. from the strategy. Definitely, yeah. Okay. So did you feel like you were able to kind of, because you're internationally in, in South Africa, kind of survive the whole like pressures of social media and, and what that looked like in like middle school, high school to a certain extent? Um, I guess so to a degree. Um, I know there's a, there were some issues with Instagram, I think at one point where people were saying that it's like sort of like it changes your body image or changes how you view your life as going as opposed to others as that comparison that comes through when you see everybody's having a great time and you're looking at all these wonderful posts and pictures and stuff like that and um, everybody taking the best moments of their lives and using that to sort of make it seem like everything's going um, going well. I kind of avoided that bit part a little bit. Um, I didn't have Instagram in South Africa. I didn't have Facebook, especially in high school. Like there was just really no need for it. And I think only a couple of our friend group did at the time. So we kind of avoided the big curve there. Definitely getting back into it, especially with with design and stuff. It's hard to try to make sure that you're not comparing yourself too much with other people that have been doing it longer than you and have been doing it for and doing different areas than you like stuff where maybe you're not as strong in artistically it's hard to um sometimes keep yourself from jumping towards that comparison but if you if you take some steps to sort of like take a step back and assess the situation see where they are and see where you are then you can sort of counter that a little bit yeah and to what extent do you find is is it helpful taking on like looking at other people, what they're doing for the sake of inspiration and kind of, you know, getting some ideas for other content you could be creating while at the same time, making sure that you're not comparing yourself and like belittling your own work. What what is that balance? And and how do you do that? I try to, especially when viewing someone else's work, I try to look and see um, what is, what is something that I can learn um, from either their technique or from their subject material or, from the the medium that they're using. So if I'm on Instagram or if I'm on Behance or something like that and I see work done by um, other artists who, and I feel like that work is much better than mine, instead of jumping towards the comparison, I try to, and, and this has been a bit of a journey to try to get to this point, but if I try to look at it as a learning opportunity to either see like, hey, what can I learn from their use of the medium? What can I use from the, learn from their uh, use of the subject material or from the different techniques that they're using? Um, within that art piece or within that design then I can draw from aspects of it and be inspired to say okay let me try that distressing technique or let me work on that 3D form a little bit more and see if I can see if I can learn about sort of his thinking process or his or her thinking process behind it um, as we're working through it and that takes it away from the competitive side and puts it more into a learning experience and what's nice about the learning experience um, it then turns it into something where like okay now I can I can improve myself this way, you know? It's then, it's not a competition anymore where, oh, where you're like despairing because this person is so much better than you'll ever be, but now you have a chance to sort of say, well, maybe I can get there, I haven't tried yet. Or if it's something you have tried before, you can learn from it and say, okay, well, this is maybe the solution to that uh, problem that I had earlier. Yeah, and so it's finding that the ways of um, looking at someone's content, seeing what they're doing and saying, hey, how do I learn from it without really mm-hmm. kind of getting sucked into that, that oh, Yeah. That, like despair or whatever. Yeah, I know it's it's tough because like, um, because art is something that we we link so closely to ourselves too. It's hard to sometimes not 
um, view it as almost an extension of ourselves and our personality and who we are. Like, so if we feel like somebody else's work is just eclipsing ours entirely, then it's um, then it's difficult because then we feel like how how can we ever match up? Especially for now, attaching a, a career to that with an income as well, like it it makes it very difficult um, sometimes to try to make that distinction. But it's really important to make. Like, you're not your work necessarily. Your work is something that you've done that you've made but you are separate from it so which allows you to then take critique better which allows you then to um look at it later more objectively so that you can work to improve it and it's sort of like it's almost like little snapshots of your journey so far so once you've made one now you can see how much better you can make the next one and, and just kind of view it as hey how do you continually get better and improve exactly what you're yeah. doing no like i had a running coach who's like always told me like instead of like looking at everybody near me in the race as well um just get yourself tunnel vision like work on focus on how you can improve how you can be better than you were the day before and as long as you keep that going you'll find that you're traveling quite a quick pace i mean you won't you'll have those times where you look up and you try to see where you are in comparison to others but often you'll just see like as long as you can make yourself better than you were yesterday you're improving and that's good enough and, and so in some ways do you find that the same applies when it comes to content you're posting is don't mm-hmm. get yourself you know too caught up on what everyone else is posting but just yeah, focus yeah. on how do you get better at what yeah. you're doing i mean there's a lot of the same on these on these uh platforms as well i mean behance is a little bit better i think than instagram in some ways but with instagram you see a lot of um the same things i think i think my personal theory is, is that there's one person that makes an idea starts as a trendsetter and then everybody there's a lot of people that sort of copy it and because it is popular and it's successful and then there's those sort of like streams of the same thing just sort of just going through and going all throughout media. Like, I mean, I remember seeing for like six months the same logo design um, being passed around through different curators, through different Instagram artists. They're all trying the same thing, same little, so their little version of it. And that while those trends can be fun, it makes it hard to sort of set yourself apart from it. So as long as you're doing something you're passionate in and that's something that's your forte, that's something that you can do, that, that sort of like encapsulates your art style and your direction then that sets you apart and the people who are looking for that which is the people that you want they'll sort of come to you and they'll find their way to you as well yeah and and to what extent do you find that instagram in some ways can kind of self-perpetuate the kinds of content that appear to do well you know it's just encouraging more people to make more of it (laughs) yeah if everybody's making the same thing um the thing that was nice before you've kind of now you're starting to beat a dead horse a little bit it just doesn't at least in my opinion anyway it doesn't um doesn't have that same specialness the 35th time through it's like once you've seen it you've seen it now yeah and if you keep relying on copying somebody else then you stop you stop um trying to understand what was their thought process in making this and i feel like if you if so if you have a logo that you like or if there's a art piece that you that you really admire if you copy it exactly that can help you with the technique but it doesn't help you with the creative thinking through it at least um at least what i found in my experience it doesn't help you very much um because you don't understand the problem solving that happens behind that piece so that, that logo that has the nice negative space in it is like well what were the what was their thought process in going through it how many different tries did they have to make before they made this final version that you see and if you just copy it and it's like it's popular then you stop thinking about that sort of process so you don't end up learning anything from it but you've made something that is very trendy so i feel like that's a bit of a bit of a pitfall that um it's it's good to at least see coming and i mean I, this is my own opinion of course and as i could be wrong about it but 
I feel it's much better to work to understand the behind the scenes process and the thinking of it because if you can work your way to that piece and you can say like, okay, I know how to now make this. I know the thought process that went behind it. I've learned now something from the creation of this final um, design or drawing. Now I can take the, what I've learned there and apply it to other situations. Uh, and what I think that's so important is being able to, to take what you learned, like analyze something and say, mm-hmm. what are they doing? All right, I know how do I do it? And then learn something as, as a result. Yeah. Um, versus necessarily, I think, the, you know, the dark side of some social media where it's just appearances or just it becomes that the jealousy without the actually analyzing. And I mm-hmm. think when once you can start in the phase of, of analyzing something and so look at something like, oh, and then actually study, like, what do they do? How do they do this? Mm-hmm. And then take tips from it, then yeah. you can actually, and break something down, it actually is super helpful um, for, for even your ability to, to produce your your own content, uh, yeah. that analytical eye almost. Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of transition from a, just a, a, a straight up consumer to kind of like a, a mm-hmm. producer who's actually like, oh, let me deconstruct this. <laughs> and, yeah, and, no, definitely. Then you, you like you learn you learn the thought process, and that's the that's the more powerful thing because especially because uh, I'm coming from a design perspective uh, primarily. I've done a bit of art in my time as well, but. Mainly, I focus on on design work, and that's all about problem solving. So, if you know all the, if you know what how to make the final version, you ha- you're not learning the problem solving behind it. So you're not you're learning how to make something pretty. You're ma- learning how to make a nice bird logo, but you don't know why they chose to make that bird logo the way they did, or what was the purpose behind it. And if you can learn how to do that part, you're so much further down the road. I feel like. Yeah, and to what extent do you find? design is actually like problem solving and identifying problems for, for your client or the person mm-hmm. you're doing the work for? I feel like there's a lot of that. Um, if I understand your question correctly, it's a, like we, we are hired to solve the problem that's presented by this client. They, they've, so a client will come generally to me and say like, you know, we, we need a logo or we need a website or something like that. But generally their request comes from a problem. Either they're not getting good traffic to their old site or their logo is outdated or they don't have one to begin with and they need to start making a visual identity. So then it is my job to visually figure out what problem they're having and try to solve that problem through a design and or through a website or through some other form of service. So I feel like there's a lot of that aspect that comes into the problem solving too. And another aspect as well is um, a lot of the times, especially when we're making posters or flyers or different like web content for social media or for like websites, within the design process, you have you have this thing that you want to communicate out that it's a concept or it's information for an event or just generally information. You have to find a way to visually represent that in a way that'll make sense to the to the proper market, so either the target audience or to the general public, and that in and of itself is a like a creative process that comes with a lot of problem solving. You want to make sure that you know these colors are working to help amplify the design rather than take it away, or that this design is has the right information conveyed and it's not cluttered or is you know like is well designed, it's well made. So those come with problem solving as well. So there's a problem solving on the client side, trying to figure out what problem they need solved, and then figuring out how to do, uh, what design will solve that problem. And inside that comes a lot of other problem solving. That's more what I was talking about with the, the making and the creating. No, absolutely. Cause you're, I mean, I think in anytime someone's actually paying for something, uh, unless it's just a luxury good, then they have a lot of money and they wouldn't mm-hmm. get something. They are actually wanting to, to, 
to, to come to the creative process. They're wanting content that actually solves a problem mm-hmm. and that helps. And, and when you can identify that well beforehand, the clearer that you can identify that, the more likely you are to be able to create content that responds to that the problem and helps do whatever it is that the, the client needs. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, the true is always the same is true for whether it's photo or video or mm-hmm. web content or design. It's it's always, let's think, really spell out the problem. And the more that you can articulate what that problem is, the more like you are to, to succeed. Exactly, yeah. Um, because the, your metric of success is whether that client's needs and problem is solved and whether they see improvement and in their own business following that. So Yeah, and if you can't really track that, then it's like, well, you don't you can't really know whether or not it was yeah. successful because you don't you mm-hmm. don't have metrics to it to begin with. Exactly. So you may have made them a very beautiful logo, but you haven't made them a brand identity to follow it. So then they still suffer because they're still going through the same problem that they initially had, and the problem that they thought would fix it didn't actually fix it. So you need to know when what type of problem they're having, so you know how to solve it best. So sometimes they'll come to me with a logo, and maybe they maybe they don't need a new logo; they just need a new branding scheme, or they need a new way of advertising and marketing themselves. No, definitely. Yeah. And and has that been a lot of your experience? Kind of, obviously, it's universal mm-hmm. that people want to have have a problem they want to solve. Is there anything you have seen, you know, kind of like cross culturally or internationally, whether it's Switzerland? Mm-hmm. You know, do you find is everything kind of the the same in terms of? Um, obviously, people have a problem and they need a response. But are there any differences that you've seen when it comes to branding as things like progress over time or how, as social media? Um, comes in and becomes more prevalent. Yeah. Um, are there any like trends that you've noticed? Because I think in some ways you almost have the ability to go back in time a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of maybe if internet wasn't as good, if social media wasn't yeah. as, as prevalent and kind of see things at, at different stages. Yeah. I think, so with, with the, within South Africa, um, I haven't done too much design there. It's been about six years since I've actually lived there. But from talking with some of the other designers that are, that are on my age there that are going through work is they've social media is now there and it's being used. Um, I don't think it's as commonly used as in the States or in Switzerland. So, I mean that, that may be something that I might need to research a little bit more just to make sure that I'm correct on that. But that is my going assumption that mainly what they're working on is print design and on like general like websites, maybe mainly websites, I think in print design, social media, they do have, but it's a, it's gotten a little bit of a slower start due to data limits and stuff like that. Um, in Switzerland, um, it's a first world country as well, so like they have a, they have quite a lot of quite a lot of internet cafes, quite a lot of different areas like that. So there's a lot of accessibility to internet, which means that there's a lot of people on social media there as well. So a lot of businesses, especially, will have um, social media as quite a core part of what they do, and. But like I don't know. Um, it seems for what I've been doing a lot here in the states around Houghton College, it's been a lot more because because we're so remote. Social media is the way to get out and sort of like put your business out there. Yeah, um, I mean this is yeah. a pretty. I mean the closest big yeah. city is, is Buffalo, Rochester. It's exactly. hour and a half away, and uh, yeah. So it's like social media is like if you're going to succeed, you almost have to be on. Oh yeah, so like it, have so a that, social presence. It has so much more of a like weight to it here I th- uh, not necessarily in comparison to switzerland but it definitely has a huge weight in houghton to sort of make sure that your business is thriving on online as well as on the ground as well because th- we we definitely get a lot of requests for like um posters flyers and different kinds of you know standard branding 
but especially with uh, working with Tashoki, I've been doing a lot of stuff with um, like social media ads and social media posts as well as stories and trying to make use of all these different platforms to give as broad a marketing range as possible. Yeah. And so, so what do you normally, when you're designing content, what are you usually designing for? Is it stories? Is mm. it just a wide mixture? And have you found yeah. different approaches between? It generally depends if it's a temporary thing that we're adver- advertising or if it's a permanent thing. For stories, usually I will, will do it for events. Like when they're, so if there's, um, well, let's use an example. There was a worship event that was happening here. Um, they would meet weekly and I would do the uh, internet marketing for that. So every every week because it happened on a monday night so like every friday or something like that i'd send off a story design so it would have all the information on it and would have a nice graphic attached to it but it's something that people could place into their stories so it cropped it to a smartphone aspect ratio and gave it a good resolution so it would load quick you know basic stuff like that to sort of just improve the user experience while we're while they're like going through the ads and they would put those on their stories um a day or two beforehand just so to sort of like raise awareness, make sure people know what's happening, when it's happening, and that the information is getting out. If it's something more permanent, like a new service that's being offered, or like we're advertising a new product line or a series or something like that, I would generally go for more of a post. Something that has a bit more of a, has more weight by being there for a longer time. It's something that people will see again if they scroll through, and generally you don't want all your ads cluttering up your page. But for some things, um, especially like if you're launching a new brand and this is your first couple of Instagram posts and something like that, having a first couple posts sort of like explaining who you are or what you do, that's something you do, like we've done quite a bit as well. Just to sort of like give a background that people can go back and refer to but doesn't clutter the rest of the page. Okay, so have some of that initial info kind of early on, Mm -hmm. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Especially like, yeah, especially because like you want want to be personable uh, with people that you're marketing to. And I'm, I'm talking more from a, a small business sense, like talking about my graphic design business and for Tessa's business as well, which I've worked with. Generally, we want to make sure that people know that there are people at the end of it and not just like, you know, robots or selfless people that are kind of just like, or faceless people rather is the best way to put it, that are just, you know, like posting different things every day. And it's like, you just don't know, you can't have a connection with the person on the other end. We want the big um, motivation is try to make sure that there is that connection that can be had there. So having some of your personal details on there or easy ways to contact you and having this little bio stories to sort of explain who you are and what you do and why you do it generally is very helpful in that. To what extent do you find that the role of kind of like social stuff is that personality versus just kind of like, I mean, there's companies that say, oh, we'll, you know, claim to to create content that will generate users. I'm always a little skeptical of that when it's not more like personalized, but what extent do you find is is the role like personalized and authentic, like a, a good value versus necessarily like highly polished and, and less personal? Is this for designing other people's branding or for designing your own branding for your own site? Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm curious about both. Okay, well, I think if you're, if you're so if, um, if you're designing ads and you're designing uh, different social media content and if especially if you're designing a brand for somebody, you want to make sure that it's as personal to them as possible. Like, if I'm designing a brand for you or for Tess, I'm not going to do it where my own personality is coming into that. I'm going to try to make it as much you as possible because that's what we're branding. We're branding you. You're branding, yeah. The, exactly. You as the, the owner. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. So we want to make sure that anybody who comes into contact with you or with your social media knows that it's you and has that feel to it. You know, that, that feel that where they look at one post and be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely this person's. And that can be done if you're a photographer through your editing style, um, if you're a designer through your artistic style. I know for myself, it's a lot of um, high contrast black and white designs that are very, um, a bit more on the abstract side. That's more the general, the, the stuff that I'll push forward for my personal projects. So when people see it, hopefully they'll see that it's, oh yeah, this is Tim's design. So when you're doing that for other people, try to make sure that you're keeping their personality there. With yourself, it's a little easier because you know your personality. So um, you just try to make sure you're keeping it as authentic as possible. If you don't enjoy doing something, don't necessarily advertise it. You don't have to because this is something that you are doing for yourself and for your business. So people want to get to know you. They don't want to get to know someone you're trying to be. So as long as you're authentic, generally you'll have good luck, I think. Okay, so do you, do you find that people will really like see through when you're not being authentic? Yeah. I feel like it catches you. Um, it, they may not be able to see through it, but like if you're hired to do a job that you know you're not necessarily capable of doing. Like, I'm not a videographer, so if somebody asks me now to do a video video job and I'm like, I've been trying to make it look like I'm this jack-of-all-trades who can do pretty much anything and everything, and if I rock up to the scene and I'm not able to perform with the video side, that's going to catch me a little bit because then I'm not advertising myself properly. Um, and then I'm giving the client misinformation, and you don't want to do that as well. So honesty and transparency and I guess authenticity as well with who you are and what you do is very important I think as well and in terms of just making sure that comes through on, on yeah. social media and yeah because I think it like if you if you're ever in a place where you're thinking like ah this person won't catch me out generally you should probably think about what you're doing as well like you want to be honest you want to be tra um, transparent because even if somebody um, doesn't see through it you still don't want to be that person that's lying to the client as well. And it's not, I guess it's not necessarily lying if you don't adver sorry, advertise yourself as maybe clearly as possible. But the more you do, the more it helps, I feel. Yeah, and yeah. I think, uh, in, to what extent do you often, as you're looking through like social media or something, do you ever think, oh, this person, like you realize they're not necessarily being authentic, but they're just kind of like putting a, a face on or... Um, you know, yeah. How often do you find yourself looking at brands, even, mm. or looking at things that are oh, that's clearly an advertisement versus something that's helpful? Yeah, are you thinking like advertisements versus um just content that they're putting yeah, out just yeah. for fun? Yeah, brands usually work very hard to make sure that they have that personality that they don't have to work to maintain it because that's the nice thing about being authentic. You don't have to work to maintain it. Um, you just have to be yourself, and generally, it's more about letting go and just putting stuff out there that you enjoy versus trying hard to work to be somebody that you're not. But as far as like user-related content, now is this for like businesses? Well, so too, when it comes to businesses, yeah. there's always that balance, I think, between people want to hire to produce content that feels like highly polished, yeah, almost sometimes at the expense of feeling authentic. And at mm. times I've noticed that people have, you know, they kind of, shy away from creating authentic so that versus they can put up a front and making sure that they say all the right things. But I think mm. people enjoy authentic. Yeah. So, so it's a bit of like a 
too perfect versus, you know, you show you scrapes and bruises. Yeah, along show you scrapes yeah. and bruises, and that's going to be attractive to people. And so I was just curious yeah. to know, especially as someone who, you know, is consuming content and media, mm-hmm. how much do you value that authenticity and that scrapes and bruises versus, hey, here's the yeah. highly polished version of, version of myself? I mean, yeah, I mean, not like I want anybody to fail or anything. Yeah, like that. No. But, but it's always encouraging to sort of see that, you know, these people are humans too, and they go, they have a bad day just like you do, or. And they're sometimes not as happy with their art as you are. And sometimes that, that's it's encouraging to sort of see them work through it. I don't necessarily think it helps to be very, to throw yourself a pity party with some post and be like, oh, I'm just this horrible artist who's not able to do anything. But I find the most encouraging ones are people who say like, you know, man, this was a really challenging project. And like you could see it through these other posts that I've done where it's not been shaping up so well, but I feel like I really worked through it and this is how, you know, this is my thought process through it or maybe I changed the technique there. Then it becomes something you learn from and something you can sort of share and you can be like, okay, yeah, I've had projects like that too. And then you then you connect in that way and sort of a shared experience. So it's, um, I, I, I personally value that authenticity. It is a little scary to be that open, um, especially on the internet with that kind of thing. Because you don't, you don't want your clients to think that you don't do good work. But you also want to show them that, like other people too, that might be connected to your art, that, that, you, that you learn through things, that you're a good problem solver and that you work through these problems and sort them out in your own way, in your own fashion, and make it through to the other side instead of just wallowing in the mistake and then just sort of burying it away. Um, it shows a level of perseverance, perseverance and dedication. I think that's very helpful and very encouraging to me as well. You know, and I think it's like there's that worry whether people are going to think that you're not good at what you do, and then they just sort of move away from you and say, "Ah, oh, no, this guy's not gonna, not gonna do our job very, very well for us." But then the people that do connect with you, they are pro- the ones that are probably going to come to you later and say, "Hey, I've got this job. I've been impressed by your work and your journey so far. So I've got this job for you that I want you to work on, and I think you're going to do great with it." And that that type of connection is stuff that you build for future. So you may not catch everybody that passes by, but the people that pass by are like what they see and stay by you are the people that are going to form that good client base for you someday. No, I, well, I think that's kind of interesting that you kind of pointed out that when you are authentic in your brand. And I think this also applies to not just to personal brands, but also to, to bigger brands. I think at times people, you know, bigger companies, they, they're quick to put up like, mm-hmm. Hey, per se, like, Hey, everything's awesome. Everything's great. But when I think you can be a little bit vulnerable in some yeah. of that space, I think it leads to much better uh, connection uh, overall of, Hey, you went through this as a struggle Mm-hmm. And now I can I can actually like trust you a little bit more because I feel like you know how to process things. Yeah. And and I think it's something that in social media space that that people aren't doing enough in their content. Even like companies and institutions aren't doing. Yeah. But they should be doing it. And if they did it more, I think they would start to become more relatable to, yeah. to people. I think there's also an advantage as well, because um, I think we we're talking about like a lot of people that sort of like, you know, go through the social media and are interested in what they see and then might hire you. We're talking a lot about those people, but there's also a lot of uh, skeptics too who sometimes go around and are like, oh, is this guy actually doing all this work or is he just copying it off someone else's work? And part of like, like if you think back to like sort of math class um, and showing your work, sometimes showing those scrapes and bruises is your way of showing your work. So it's not always the prettiest sketches that you see, but it sometimes helps to show the process behind it. You know, like, um, show the problem solving and the steps that you went through there. So it's it's interesting for other people as well when they're looking at it too. 
But I think the big advantage that that gives you is that it it shows that you're the one doing the work ultimately and that you're not just sort of copying it off something you saw on Pinterest or copying it off something you saw some other artist do on Instagram as well. Because I feel like there's a little bit of that going around too. Um, people that are using other people's work without giving the giving them the proper credit. And that sort of helps safeguard against that too. Kind of showing the behind yeah. the scenes and just that process. Yeah, it's sort of like that. Uh, like the like the uh, Bible verse that says the truth will set you free. You yeah. know, like if you if you're being authentic, if you're showing your work and you're showing what you're doing, you're not giving anybody any cause to question what you're doing either. And that sort of shows shows a realness and shows um, an honesty, which is very attractive. I think, at least for me, it's very attractive to see. Yeah. No. Well, I, th- I do think that people really find that there's something about that honesty that is refreshing. And so I mm-hmm. think to the extent too, that, you know, you have the space to like on social media, create the visuals that look, look interesting. I mean, you might not necessarily post your bad art, or, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but you put something forward, but then I think when you can be honest in the description about the process of going through something or what you're going through, yeah, I think there's a lot of space of being able to provide that realism in your written text while keeping the, um, the visuals, um, at a high quality, at a high yeah. quality, yeah. and telling that that the scrapes and bruises yeah. in, the, in the text. I mean, this is your portfolio. Right? Yeah, this is not something you necess- you don't want to fill this with all your mistakes and all your stuff like that. Because sometimes you don't learn something from it. Sometimes you just have a bad day with your art, and you like it's it's not that it's that you're a bad artist or that you didn't learn anything from it, but it's maybe just you know you just didn't draw this well and you need more practice. I'm not necessarily talking about those things, but like the stuff where you problem solved your way through it or you found a way through it or you realize maybe this is not something I'm good at and this is a growing moment for you that stuff is I'd love to see that kind of thing um, but in the but ultimately I mean this is your portfolio that you're sort of putting out there and especially if you want people to look at it as this is your work like it's nice to see your story through it but like I'm not seeing any good work on here that I want to hire that that's, a problem. that's something yeah that's a problem <laughs> something you want to you want to like keep an eye on as well so and and there's different platforms for this kind of thing too, I think. Uh, with Instagram, I feel like it's more forgiving because that's a much more high-frequency type of posting. So like, I'll post a bunch of stuff there as often as I can. Um, I try to keep a rhythm to it, but I generally post a lot more to that than I post to Dribbble or post to Behance. So with those ones, you want to have your nice polished projects, maybe have some behind-the-scenes slides on the project details for Behance or Dribbble. But sometimes it's good just to have that place where you can really put more of your journey through it. This is like your connection to everybody else, so to your viewers or your followers. So different sites have different availabilities for this kind of thing. But if we're talking Instagram mainly, that's the one I think is like, it's a good one to sort of allow that more experimentation. And you'll find what your uh, follower base likes more, uh, whether they like to see more of the process or whether they like to see more of the final stuff. I mean, each each account's going to be different, and sometimes your follow up or your process sketch is going to be something that they just can't understand. Like if you do something that's a quick chicken scratch, but and you understand it perfectly, yeah. But if your audience yeah. doesn't, then. and if your audience does it, then it's like, okay, this is beautiful scribbles, but what does that mean? And then they see something that's completely unrelated to it that's like came from those scribbles, unless there's a link to it, um, either in what the caption says or like what you explain, like when you're releasing the post. I don't know if that's necessarily as helpful. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that, that definitely does make yeah. sense. It is. Um, yeah, it's just, it's always that mixture of thinking through how your audience is going to perceive things. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, thinking through, especially in a visual medium, yeah. what you what you put up. And then at the same time, how do you explain things in text that maybe 
um, that kind of helps you, everyone make sense of it a little bit more. Yeah, because you don't want to show that you're incompetent, but you do want to show growth, which yeah. is, I think, is the, the balance. Yeah, and, uh, and I think if, if you just kind of talked about all your shortcomings always, then it's like, well, people aren't going to... It's a, it's that mixture of like empathy and authority, I yeah. think, in terms of if someone's going to hire you, they want to know that, hey, I can relate to you, which is that mm-hmm. the empathy you can... And I think when you post something related more towards struggles, mm-hmm. that creates a sense of empathy that it's, hey, I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But then the authority is, hey, you obviously know what you're doing because of all this great stuff that you're doing. Yeah. And it's, and it's that balance of the two that I think we need to, is a, in a content strategy, you need to be able to show both of. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I think people are often too afraid to show like their weak side and try to say, hey, we're the authority, we're the authority, authority. Mm-hmm. And, but they don't have that humanness or that connection that comes from, yeah. that's more from em- empathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And, and to, to what extent do you find, you know, when it comes to like social media, like personally, whether it's not just, you know, design work, is that empathy kind of, do you find that coming through in any ways or, or do you kind of usually not avoid things? I know, what was your kind of like for personal stuff? Are you on Facebook for personally? Yeah, I'm on Facebook personally. Um, I don't put any of my design stuff on there as much. I, I would put links sometimes if I start, set up a new project on Behance or something like that and I want some of my family to see it. I'll put a link on there for them. But generally I keep that part separate. Um, Facebook is... It's doing some interesting things now with social media marketing. Some people say it's it's dying out a little bit. Some other people say that it's still going, but it's not, I think, always the, the most successful thing that I found for my work. Um, I had a business on on campus here for a little while. It's the Griddle Studios that I worked with with a bunch of guys um, in the design major as well. And we used Facebook quite a bit for our social media and we found mixed success there we found much more success with instagram and with just organic word of mouth around the community but me personally i haven't done much with facebook um i've usually kept that more for my personal personal work too and in terms of i guess um personal work versus my work journey um on my instagram and my other social medias i generally don't put my personal life details onto there um, just because I don't want to clutter up what I'm putting on there and I don't always feel that it's super helpful, especially because it's like, it's, it's in the middle of winter and it's kind of, it's kind of boring. My days generally consist of going to classes, going to work and then eating and then sort of just passing out and falling asleep. So <laughs> there's not too much to show there where, where I'm, whereas with my work, I'm showing a lot more on that end. So that's what I generally push forward there. That was actually kind of helpful to hear kind of how that that differentiation. I think people also realize that, yeah, like often parts of my life aren't necessarily that interesting realistically, but, and people don't actually really want to see the parts of your life that are boring, but they do want to see the interesting parts. And so I think it's also that kind of thinking through that balancing act of how do you put forth stuff that people actually want to see while at the same time people thinking that, you know, your whole life is like this or like that and I, and I think in some it sounds like you've just kind of taken the strategy of you know I'm, I'm just not really going to worry about posting all my personal stuff and just post my work uh online and kind of focus on I'm, I'm putting that up yeah and i mean like i'll use i'll use my stories for like personal life events like if um if i'm having a great time with some friends or some mates i'm like i'll go and i'll post that up there and make a little post on my story just to show people that i'm still active and still working on this uh platform and it's kind of fun. It's something that, because a lot of my friends and family follow this account as well. So it's 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 a nice way to sort of show them what I'm up to yeah. um, that doesn't generally impact my feed necessarily. Because yeah. 
I tend to look at the Instagram feed as sort of a as a muscle gallery for what I'm doing with my work. So if I'm filling that with a lot of like, you know, we're getting we're getting dinner here at this pizza place or, you know, on a nice drive with these people, I, that stuff is not it's not necessarily um damaging or harmful to my account in any way. It's more it's it's not helpful in promoting my my graphic design services which I'm offering. So I don't necessarily feel that it's necessary to post it onto there, but if I post it onto the story, it's there for a couple hours, and then sometimes people see it, sometimes people don't see it. Those who do see it will see it as, oh, okay, this guy's living his life, he's having fun, he's not just sitting in a basement like by a computer just designing all day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is also something you, I guess, want to avoid, just to feel like you're that like little basement person who's there just working all the time and not having any fun either. No, no. Well, I think, and that's the, the kind of thing that I have kind of started realizing is that, especially people mm-hmm. in age, they're kind of, there's that very much awareness of, hey, I want to very much have a curated feed for the sake of like professionalism and putting things out there, but are okay feeling more authentic, you know, in, in a feed and in a more just that, that story format. Sorry, the story, not the feed. Yeah. Because the, the stories are nice, you know, it's, it's, Something that's that's very public. It's, it's easily accessible for people to use, but it doesn't really interfere with what you're doing already. Because what I do now is, um, because I'm I'm working on some other uh, projects and stuff that I'm not able to really post under my social media just yet. Um, I work on a couple different series and design um, projects that I more like little passion projects that I like to put out there. Stuff that I enjoy doing. Currently, I'm working on an endangered animal series. That's been it's been it's just a lot of fun to make. You know, it's something that I enjoy and it takes me out of. Um, my other work but it also shows what i'm capable of doing so it's a little like a bit of a dummy double whammy yeah um in terms of what i'm putting out there for my audiences and then the stories what because i'm having these projects that are sort of uh go on a certain track i have this many that i post that i'm going to make and i plan that out and i start working on those i don't want to sort of interrupt that whole series and put in a picture of me sledding or a picture of me um you know going on a run with my friends I can put that onto my story and it doesn't impact necessarily anything there as well. It's almost like a little extra bonus instead of a um, a proper addition to what I'm working on. No, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. No, that's super helpful hearing just about yeah how you view things and, mm-hmm. and, your, and your strategy and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so when it, when it comes to communication, you know, how important do you find is, is email when it comes to you personally and also like Ooh. client work? I love email, personally. I mean, we live kind of in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's not the middle of nowhere, but you can definitely see it from here. It's uh, it's one of those places where going out and meeting a lot of these clients is not as um, easily accessible. So email is a great way to sort of professionally like Do meet that. in contact with people as well. I know that um, video, video calling is becoming a bigger thing. Um, I still do phone calls every now and then with clients, um, but usually the first step that I do is I'll send them an email, I'll sort of greet them and say hello, and um, thank you for considering me with your design request, and sort of like, let's meet and figure out what we can do to help you. If you can meet them in person, I find that's always the best thing. Um, it's generally best to interact with people without screens, at least in my opinion, because then you can really get to know them better, and there's subtle nuances that you yeah. can pick up in conversation, like whether they really like something or if they're just being polite, you can sort of detect that a little bit easier than reading off a text, but... Um, I've definitely found that with uh, client with email, work. yeah, with client work and stuff like that, it, email's generally the the best way to go, f- especially if you can't meet them 
Well, they are, yeah. And what about for like your personal life? How much would you say you email? Oh, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> okay. If you if you send me an email and it's a personal thing, um, I will probably find it in my inbox like a week later. Like, I've got a I've got an email that I use as a student here, and then I've got an email that I use for my design work. And I generally give out my design work email separately, and only my clients know it, and only people that are working with me on a job. They're generally the ones that are going to use that email. Um, my other email has all my school emails coming in, and I mean, you went to Houghton as well, so like you did, you have emails at that time as well. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. so we definitely had those emails. Um, but yeah, but it's interesting because it seems like you, there's very much the work email versus yeah. like your email where like if you buy something. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've got I've got that spam email that sort of sends everything to to a pit somewhere off in digital land that I don't have to see it ever if I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, definitely like go there and check and make sure, especially if it's like for financial stuff. But um, I generally have those those three those three larger spaces. I've got my stuff that comes in through the university, through the college, which is like 30 to 40 emails a day um, to my Houghton email. And then I've got my personal email that I, that I use for my design work. That one is purely for like client interaction and stuff like that i try to keep that one as professional as separate as possible and then i've got my spam email which is my old one that i made in high school that i just sort of reroute everything into so like anything that if i you know if i did anything with a game or something like that that'll sort of go there all the notifications or if i made a purchase um subscription notifications that sort of thing that that all goes down to there Okay, so you actually have so, three accounts you kind of manage. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's like I usually give out my business one if I'm talking with a client, if I'm talking with somebody else. Yeah, in terms of like interacting with other people via email, I generally do not unless it's unless work. I yeah unless I can really can't get a hold of them any other way. Like if their phone's dead in the middle of nowhere or something like that, and they've got their laptop, then yeah, sure, I'll send them an email or something like that. But generally, it's for work. Okay. And so, so if someone is, is like, let's say a, a brand is trying to reach out or like, what, what do you find actually influences you when it comes to another brand? Someone wants you to purchase something or like someone what, who's trying to influence you. What actually works mm, for you? Are we talking like email ads? Yeah. Like, like email ads or is it mm, more like Instagram ads or like, like what actually gets yeah. your attention these days? Cause I mean, um, mm-hmm. like. TV ads, most people, it's like, you know, Netflix. Oh, yeah. Or, you, you wait know, for Amazon. that skip button. <laughs> yeah, you wait for the skip button. Um, so I'm just really yeah. curious for your generation. like, what, what, do, what do you actually see that's considered, like, advertising? I mean, there's so much ads now. It's becoming almost like a white noise thing. You, like, you just get used to seeing them on, like, mobile games. You get used to seeing them on YouTube and onto Hulu or Netflix or something like that. It's like, well, Netflix not as bad, actually. Because um, you're paying for the service and yeah yeah so i don't think actually, actually i don't think there are any any ads on netflix i haven't seen netflix in a while generally youtube i watch um and that's mostly like uh tech tutorials or just general design stuff my watching things has diminished a lot in college just because i'm working so much that working i just don't have time to watch anything anymore but so do you find that yeah. it's people who are like solving your problems that you're more likely to yeah like, yeah, or come across. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the things that definitely catch my attention on Instagram are stuff like um, somebody releases a new uh, Photoshop brush pack, or they've got distress textures that are available, and I'm like looking at those. I'm like, ooh, that's actually something I could use. That's something I could um, really enjoy. So I'll save those ads actually, um, and have them in the pocket for later. And I don't really view those as spam. This um, the, the algorithm's gotten pretty good, where they, it it has figured out my uh, my weaknesses, <laughs> and 
<laughs> it knows what I want. So uh, generally, I'm not too fussed by it. It's um, it'll it'll give me what I need. And if it's something that I'm interested in, I've actually bought a few things off the ads, which has been really helpful too. If they email me, however, then that goes right to the spam folder. I don't know what it is the difference between email and social media. I think on social media and stuff like that, you expect it to a degree. But the fact that they send you an email is almost like a little bit of invasive, especially if you didn't like tick a box that allows you allows them to send you a newsletter or something like that. I generally don't get many, very many of those, but I don't always enjoy them when I do get them. Like that in a phone call, it almost feels like the the ads that you see on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or something like that. If you're if you're just passing by, you you may pass by them or you can keep going. It gives you this, sort of the either the skip function or it gives you an option to sort of move past it if you're not interested. Not very intrusive, um, at least for me anyway. If they send you something directly, that's a bit more like, why are you sending this to me? Like this is this is, I'd better be good, you know. Um, through, through email or like a direct message? Yeah, well, email. I don't get anything with the direct message, but I have had uh, people contact me with a direct message saying, it's like, oh, follow me on Behance and I'll follow you as well. Those are a bit fishy for me. Like, yeah. I don't know about that necessarily. Uh, not that I am view myself as this uh, artist who's much better than, than everybody else, but I definitely feel like, like if your work is good, I'll follow you. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about that kind of ratio there, but if you're saying like, Hey, let's do a trade. Let's say if you, if you follow me, I'll follow you. I don't know. I don't know why people would do that necessarily. It's it seems like it it shows a lack of confidence in your own work to sort of speak for itself, and it also comes across as maybe just a little bit annoying too. So not the greatest first impression to make. No, yeah, I definitely understand that. But no, that that was actually really just helpful, kind of hearing what your thoughts are yeah, no. about email and just how you know there are so many advertisements that. That it's kind of hard to pay attention to some of that email stuff, mm-hmm. but that really, um, but that really you just have to be able to. Um, it's like that personalized uh, stuff that really just makes a big difference. But yeah. hey, but th- thanks so much for um, for being on on the podcast. I know it's been great hearing about what your thoughts are and um, yeah. what your expectations are, and kind of get getting a sense for um, where you're at and yeah. kind of where things are headed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is uh, my first podcast and it was a lot of fun. No, so, thanks so much, Tim. Yeah. All right. Well, thank I'll, you very much. I'll have the links in your in the, the show notes too for where they can find you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good All one. Right. You too. And that wraps up episode 24 with Tim Pascalis. I hope you had a lot of takeaways just in terms of thinking through what your strategy is, the need to be authentic. I know I definitely had a lot of key takeaways where, you know, what I heard from Tim was also lining up with a few things I've hearing just from, from other places out there where you just, the focus on, on being authentic about kind of sharing your scrapes and bruises in the process and, and how you've grown can just be, be so important. And that I know for me personally, it's been a lot just kind of figuring out the, the balance between, you know, being in video production, but kind of transitioning a little bit to coaching and, and kind of figuring out along the way the the journey has definitely been not a straightforward one, but a lot of thinking, a lot of exploring, figuring out what I enjoy most as you know when you're starting off you just have to do do a little bit of everything until you eventually you'll figure out no that's not for me and you just have to to spend time you know creating and finding what you get most excited about and i know for me i really just get excited about uh, coaching helping people helping oversee a process and helping people grow as much as i can and you no know, so it has led to, to no fat cats but i do think that i will at some point i'm going to be be rebranding i think 
uh, No Fat Cats isn't quite clear enough in terms of what I offer. And uh, so while I'm not ready to make any announcements soon, uh, it is something I have been mulling over in terms of a rebrand potentially coming up. And uh, so you just have to stay tuned, uh, you know, and, and stay posted as I do see something over the horizon uh, coming in a little bit. So keep working, keep creating, uh, and keep growing, um, keep learning. And until next time, have a great one.